Welcome to Broad Eye, the podcast that explores knowledge gaps in ophthalmology and eye care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Broad Eye Podcast. My name is Sean Maloney, and I'm here today with my good friend and co-host, Dr. Bruno Fernandez. Bruno, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Sean. You? Hey, I can't complain. I can't complain. Um, so we are here today with um, a very, very special guest. His name is Ricardo Wagner. He is the accessibility lead for Microsoft Canada. So, Ricardo, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Sean. Very nice to meet you both. Nice to meet you, Bruno. Nice to meet you, too, Ricardo. So I was hoping we could just kick this off with a brief introduction, I guess, to Microsoft Canada in terms of accessibility. So if you had to uh, generally say what Microsoft Canada's accessibility mission is, how would you describe that to the audience? Let's say the Microsoft Canadian mission is pretty much the Microsoft mission of empowering every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. And when we say every person, it does include persons with disabilities. So in my case, for accessibility related, I'm here to empower persons with disabilities in Canada. And uh, why, why did you became more aware of the need for accessibility like what what is your motivation like me to take on that uh, very very important and noble role yes that's a very good question and it's a question that i i receive uh, all the time mm -hmm. um i have family members uh, with disabilities my mom she's uh, visually impaired my brother is an amputee uh my older sister has a rare disease and I lost my father to uh, mental health. So I'd say I, was, I am surrounded by beloved ones with disabilities and I'm inspired by them. And interesting, when I joined the corporate world and the business world, I started to see people um, classifying people by people with abilities and people with disabilities. And I said, wait a minute, I, I don't consider my mom different. <laughs> My mom is my mom, my brother is my brother, my sister is my sister. So for me, it was a fascinating topic that uh, I started to realize and understand the, the, how, the, how the society works, how we ended up creating an idea that uh, as humans, we have a, a normal or an average user and um, then the human being with disability. And for me, it doesn't make sense. There is no normal average we are all unique we all have abilities and disabilities it's just about the environment that you live so if you if i go to japan as an example i don't speak japanese but uh in in, in i don't have people around me speaking portuguese spanish or english i'll be in trouble <laughs> i need help there what i'm gonna do this is the environment that is disabled not the person so uh, this topic uh really change it, my, my perspective in the way that, uh, that I decided to pursue my career. So I'd say the last four years, I decided to dedicate my time, my commitment, and make this uh, my, my, my way of living. So I'm super proud to dedicate my, my career to this topic. So I'm glad you touched on that concept of, um, it's more the environment more so than the individual that uh, determines the the abilities, and I think that's really something that Microsoft is um, is at its core principles. So, 
on that note, can you maybe talk a little bit about the three principles of inclusive design at Microsoft? Absolutely. We, we followed the World Health Organization definition for persons with disabilities. And according to World Health Organization, disability is not a personal health condition, it's a mismatch human interaction. And when, when, you, when you think from an environment or tools and understand that the environment and the tool is disabled, not the person. An example, the stairs make the building accessible, not the wheelchair. So when you, when you shift the, the point of view from the person to the environment or tools, you start to realize that this is a solvable design challenge. And if you make it right, you innovate. So the three principles of inclusive design, we invite um, uh, engineers, architects, people who are building solutions, especially in the tech world, to um, be mindful uh, of uh, three simple concepts. The first one is, recognize exclusion. When we design solutions, we tend to create solutions based on our reality, our point of view. And we, as humans, we all have bias. We all have bias. So a perspective of someone may not be the perspective of the other person. And when you design a solution for every single human being, which is aligned to Microsoft mission, 7.4 billion people, imagine, it is important to understand different perspectives and be mindful that what you are creating, you may exclude a person or someone else. So uh, when you recognize exclusion, you invite people who are excluded to be part of the process. So by recognizing exclusion as the first principle of inclusive design, you move to the second principle, which is learn from diversity. Invite those who are excluded from the idea at the beginning of the project to be part of the design, to be part of the solution. And when you invite them, you're gonna learn so many different ways and perspectives that can be considered and applied to the solution. Uh, in the community of persons with disabilities, we call this nothing about us without us. Nothing about us without us. Ensure to include people uh, with disabilities to be part of the exercise to the project. And once you make it work for one, you extend to many. This is the third principle of inclusive design. Uh, an example, if you design a solution for a person without an arm, the solution is going to work for a person who broke an arm or a person holding a baby or a cup of coffee. So this is the example that by creating experiences that include persons with permanent disabilities, you end up creating solutions for people with temporary and situational disabilities, um, or thinking of accessibility as experience. If you make it work for one, you extend too many. At the end, we all benefit from inclusive solutions. This is a solution that everybody can benefit. So that's, that's the idea of inclusive design, is ensuring that you create solutions that do not exclude people, that you learn from diversity, and you make it work for one and at the extreme, but it works for everyone else. Yeah, that's 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 amazing. Uh, you, 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 as you touched now on on the benefit that uh, focusing on accessibility, uh, what what it can bring in terms of the benefit. Is there any way of uh, 
like measuring like i mean what's the impact of that uh, accessibility push by microsoft uh canada and worldwide uh, let's say like how many people have been using you know, your, your your products and service that couldn't have couldn't be couldn't have used before absolutely absolutely we recently received a letter from one of our customers this person used an app called Sing AI. This app was designed to help people blind and with sight loss to uh, get additional information from the environment. So it used um, the camera from the phone and with a services from Azure called Cognitive Services for Vision, it detects the world around you. So you can point the camera to a laptop, for example, and take a picture of the laptop and the services will describe the image to you. You can point the camera to a person and it's gonna describe the person, if the person is happy, if it's sad, if it's a woman, a man, uh, you get all the details, including age, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, so this customer shared a letter to us saying that she was uh, super touched by the app. Um, she was living with her mother and her mother passed away. And when she came back home, she was cleaning up the house and she went to her mother's bedroom and she turned it on singing AI to um, find documents. Uh, and there were some uh, papers and things that she was just uh, going through and singing AI was reading all the content for her. And she ended up finding a letter that her mother wrote to her. And through singing AI, she connected with her mother. So, Examples like this just give a perspective of what technology can do to empower people, especially persons with disabilities. With artificial intelligence, uh, we now have ability to hear, to see, to understand, comprehend. And imagine when you apply cognitive services to existing solutions, the the number of scenarios and potentials that we can create. So I'm, I'm super inspired by stories like this, but there are so many others that we are all using in a day-to-day -day basis. One of my favorite, uh, and I have many, but I'm not gonna bring this one, otherwise we're gonna spend the hours here sharing stories. Oh, we love stories. <laughs> that, that, yeah, and that's okay. We can we can talk all day. This is great. <laughs> you, you, you gave me permission, so... Mm. so um, it's, for me, it's my favorite one, is captions. So with Microsoft Teams, or when you use PowerPoint, you can, uh, I'll give the example from PowerPoint. You can pick and choose the language you wanna speak and cognitive services will provide captions in real time. You can speak, for example, in Portuguese and with captions in English. You can speak in up to 12 languages and people can follow in up to 72 different languages. And you may say, yeah, this is great. This is helping a person hard of hearing. It is also helping someone watching a presentation in a noisy environment. What about a person with sight loss and blind? So you can use the Bing Translator app. Uh, a barcode is provided when you start the presentation and the person can follow in read aloud in their preferred language using a mobile device. So we, we now have the possibility 
to present and talk. And language is no longer a barrier. So if you reach out to someone in a different country and you don't speak that language and the person doesn't speak the second language you speak, you pick and choose the language that they speak. You pick and choose the language you want to talk. And if you happen to have someone hard of hearing or a person with sight loss, this person is also included. So that's for me the, the, the a beautiful example of um, when you empower a person with disability and the solution was designed and created, conceived to help persons with hard of hearing, persons with disabilities hard of hearing, but ended up helping absolutely everyone, especially foreign language speakers. I have examples for dyslexia, examples for learning disabilities, uh, more examples for hard of hearing, for people with sight loss and blind. It is just fascinating when, when designers understand a mismatch in the environment and the two, apply artificial intelligence and connect human beings with their strengths and ability and let the person bring their best. This is, this is the magic that is going on and pretty much this is accessibility. So this, okay, that's a great story. And I'm going to try and tease a couple more out of you because you, you kind of left us hanging with, with some, some, of those, uh, some of those cues and all these other great stories. But I just wanted to comment on something you had said, and, and that is that you're including people who um, maybe are often excluded in these designs, basically including them and, and their perspectives in these designs. And it just made me think of one of our previous guests, uh, Helen Damaris, who um, is an ophthalmologist, and in their um, research studies, they're actually having patients get involved and, and help in designing these research studies because I think they can bring a, and, and this is no different, they can really bring a, a fresh perspective and a true understanding of, of, uh, of what's needed. And it seems like by, by doing that, what Microsoft is doing is slowly working toward like, the ultimate design you know, for anything, right? Because a design that is all inclusive, essentially, no matter what your um, temporary or permanent uh, abilities or disabilities may be, is really, I think, what all technology companies should be, uh, you know, constantly working towards. So um, that's just my little my little side rant there. Um, if you don't mind, I want to. Of course, no, no, go, go. Yeah, sure. Compliment. It, this is this is uh, this is fascinating for me because I, especially in the tech world, when you talk to tech folks, uh, when they hear about a problem, they think I have a solution. Have you tried this? Have you tried that? Instead of just asking, tell me more. Let me understand. Show me show me the problem. How you're feeling? What is the impact that you are? Uh, considering uh, right now with the problem you are bringing to me. It's like the exercising empathy in my humble point of view is the most important and critical thing in the design process. Dressing the shoes, uh, that's a, a, a good analogy, right? Uh, by understanding and going deep to the problem, really understanding not just from the technical point of view, but understanding the feelings, the heart piece, uh, the social perspective. This can also bring you the dimension of things that you need to consider when you are creating a solution. Uh, I recently 
join a team inside Microsoft. And we won the, we were the grand prize winners of Microsoft's 2019 hackathon. We created a solution to empower parents with kids with epilepsy. Uh, the project is called MiriHR. Um, we were also awarded with um, a residence program inside Microsoft Garage, assisted by Microsoft Research. Tell you, it was an incredible, amazing experience. My role was to connect with families. So engage with families with kids with epilepsy. So what I, what I want to share from, from, from this experience is we, we were thinking of many tech ideas of uh, what we could use in terms of collecting biometric contextual information, applying artificial intelligence, natural language process, machine learning, all the tech complicated things. And when we start, we start to reach out to families and asking them uh, their day-to-day, what was going on. And every single family we talk, we, we learn something, something really meaningful, uh, really important. Um, a family in one of the countries in Asia, uh, they reached out to us asking where the data is going to be processed. Uh, how the data is going to be transferred, who's going to have access to the data. And they were super concerned. And then later on, as we confirmed, and they were really feeling safe uh, with how we were handling data, they said, here's the problem. If someone get access to this information and become aware that my son has epilepsy and he has seizures, culturally here, due religions and other things, uh, Kids or people who experience epilepsy or seizures, um, they believe that the person is receiving a devil entity. And what they do, they kill the person and sometimes the family and they burn the house. So do you understand the sensitivity of the data? We, we were like, so if you don't take this perspective and you don't bring this story to software engineers and the team that is designing, uh, I'm not saying that uh, in, in our case, this security and privacy is, is like number one, including accessibility, but it just gives a sense of the responsibility we have when we create solutions. Sometimes if, even with good intention, we create tools, but sometimes we are creating weapons without knowing. Uh, I love a quote we have inside the Microsoft lab, uh, the inclusive lab, it, it says, when you don't intentionally include, you unintentionally exclude. When you don't intentionally include, you unintentionally exclude. That's that's uh, that's an awesome quote. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> it, it, but but it just shows you the you know the legwork required you know by the company. Then too, you think you have this you know groundbreaking development, for example, and they, now you got to get out and see. How is this going to affect um, everybody? Just forget the technology side of things, but like you said, culturally, emotionally, everything, the things that you cannot possibly, you know, one individual cannot possibly, even a small team cannot possibly understand from, you know, sitting inside a boardroom and making decisions. Um, I was just hoping you can also talk about, and there's myriad examples. I was reading something online about how I think it's Windows 10 is now accessible for people who, are paralyzed and just um, can use eye gaze to control that. And then how that has actually carried over into other fields, such as, you know, uh, doctors that are operating not to, not to spoil it, but if I was hoping you could talk to that uh, a little bit and just how that 
inclusive design has uh, translated in this case to a valuable tool that no one really planned for, um, for uh, a completely different application. Absolutely, absolutely. That's, that's uh, the, the, the exercise for an inclusive design is understanding that every single person has abilities and disabilities. In some cases, people cannot see. Other cases, people can't hear. Other situations, people cannot move their body. Uh, and then we start to identify ways that the person can connect with the environment. If they cannot connect uh, uh, by uh, looking around, by using the site as an example, uh, maybe the voice can be the alternative uh, or the hand can be an alternative. So it's thinking how you connect abilities to the environment. And we, we on the hackathon, I guess, in 2015, a project inside Microsoft decided to create a solution to empower people with ALS. ALS at a stage, and uh, um, the, the, the person with ALS can only move their eyes. So you have, you have no ability to speak. Uh, sometimes you need help breathing. There are so many um, additional care that you need to provide. But the person, you know, from a cognitive point of view, it's there and the eyes is the only way to connect. So the team decided to bring a technology um, with a special camera, which can, uh, we call the eye gaze camera, which um, the, depending how you point uh, your eyes on the screen, it can follow like a mouse and you can perform commands with your eyes and basically transform your eyes into a mouse. And uh, with eye gaze, a person can compose an email, can join a call, can do anything, absolutely anything with the eyes. We ended up made, uh, releasing this product uh, in the hackathon. And since it was built by design, we ended up made, uh, decided to make this available across all Windows 10 computers. So anyone across the globe now just need to plug a camera. I think it's sold by Toby today. Uh, where you plug in a USB, you just calibrate the screen and you are ready to go and play uh, with your eyes. We hear lots of stories. I, I, there is a beautiful story um, of an artist uh, that she, uh, she has ALS and uh, at the state that she is right now, she's still painting, but with her eyes. Um, stories, um, we have a case study uh, with uh, one of our customers in Guatemala. Uh, telling the experience of running the business with their eyes. So, and, and the possibility is not limited to people with ALS. People with um, other mobility impairments can also uh, experience this technology. We saw some examples of doctors in hospitals to avoid contamination by taking out their gloves, wash their hands and going to a keyboard. They could also perform and get the information required inside the hospital using their eyes. So this is, I believe, the beginning of many more things we can do. <laughs> and, and personally, for me, it's fascinating that many people, they still use and operate computer like typewriter, and they don't actually realize that you can inter interact with computers with your eyes, uh, with, um, with inking, touch, uh, like there are many ways for us to interact with technology, right? And uh, this is, this is, 
open up so many new opportunities, but more important, you are including people who were excluded before. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot to process. <laughs> it's great material there. Uh, changing topics a little bit, I mean, still on the same topic, but change a bit of, of perspective. Uh, exclusion can be done not only by corporations, but by people as well, right? Like what we, what we do and, and what we think and our opinions, our judgments are, are more often than not, uh, a consequence of uh, biases that we are, we are not aware of, right? Uh, the so-called uh, unconscious bias. Uh, could you help us define it and describe what we can do to avoid it? I, <laughs> that's a very good question. I, I tell you, this is, this is for me uh, the, the central part of this, 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 this conversation is I, I, believe, I believe there are two, two ways to, that can help people to better understand this topic. And uh, some, some people, when, when you, I'll give an example. When I, when I mentioned that I work empowering persons with disabilities, I, I hear, oh, good for you. I know a charity. I know a non-for-profit organization. I know a church that is doing, I tell you, I love the work that they do. I love the work that non-for-profit and all the charity organizations they do. It's an incredible work and a tremendous social impact. Um, but what we are doing is not just a social impact. Some people may approach and say, oh, there is a legislation in place that needs, needs to comply. And yeah, unfortunately, people, there are some organizations and people just performing uh, initiatives just to be compliant and avoid to be sued, which I don't think is the right way to approach. The, the way that I, that I like to approach this conversation is to help people to understand that this is, this is a business opportunity. This is an opportunity to innovate. By empowering people with disabilities, you end up empowering everyone. And a mistake that many people do, they think that persons with disability be, uh, the persons with disabilities is a niche market. <laughs> and it's not. According to the United Nations, this is the largest minority in the world. There are 1.3 billion people with disabilities. 1.3 billion people with disabilities. I live in Canada. Canada right now is almost 8 million people. Brazil, 46 million people. US, 64 million people. Just to make a simple math, 15 to 20% of the population have one or more disabilities. 50% of the population above 60 years has one or more disabilities. And as the population is aging, uh, the number is just increasing. So by letting people know that this is a large market, this is a large market, uh, there are lots of people joining this group and I'd say anyone who is alive can 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 experience a temporary or be, or or experience a permanent disability during the life. Uh, Eighty percent of uh, permanent disabilities people develop during their lives, right? So it's a conversation that we all should care. It's a conversation that we all should. Uh, I don't say should. We all must <laughs> work uh, to to make it work, right? And we move from the industry revolution and we are now then in the digital transformation. Uh, we are in the digital era. It is 
just uh, endless possibilities for us to leverage technology to address mismatches and make things work. With COVID, COVID is a good example, the pandemic, the environment became disabled and we all needed to figure out how to accommodate and work from home. We all, right? Not, not say all because some people, uh, uh, they're still, in, and we're so thankful for front lines, especially in the healthcare and people working with delivery and food, still going outside and taking all the risks to help us. But a lot of people are now working from home, right? So it shows that technology is a way that can help you to, to address uh, mismatches like, like this one. So answering your question in a simple way to say is, first, understand that this is not a niche market. Second, understand that uh, either you or a beloved one you have uh, can be positively impacted by this conversation. And if you make it work for a person with disability, you might end up unlocking an innovation opportunity that can bring not just business outcome, but social inclusion. I, I usually say, show me the money, but show me the meaning. You have with accessibility a beautiful combination of two powerful things of a uh, uh, driving business outcome with social impact. So, okay, I have about uh, six or eight follow-up questions. <laughs> I'll try to try and roll them into roll them into one or two, uh, one or two here. So, I like how you said, uh, you know, that called that fifteen percent, fifteen twenty percent of people globally, the one point three billion um, that are impacted by disability in some way, shape, or form. I think that if you go back to what you were saying earlier and talk about temporary disabilities, um, the number of people impacted by you know a temporary disability plus the people impacted by permanent disability throughout their lifetime covers almost everybody right at some point you know someone like you said they they, they break an arm or they uh you know suffer some sort of uh ailment or the environment becomes mismatched so in many ways uh we can you know we're all um in that category of of being disabled so to speak at some point in time uh in our lives and it makes me think of uh, I think it was an Australian study that came out. Uh, this is a little bit of a sidebar here, but I tend to do that a lot. <laughs> if you've heard some of the other episodes. And uh, um, I think this statistic in the past was something like you know, 5% of uh, people in whatever given population suffer you know, some sort of mental disability. But I think it was this Australian study that came out and said that over a 20-year period, something like 90 or 95% of people would at some point in that 20 year period be classified as having a mental disability, whether that be, you know, severe anxiety, depression, um, what have you. So, uh, you know, there's, it just goes hand in hand with, with what you're talking about. Uh, it seems like Microsoft is really spearheading a lot of this and, you know, the market potential um, is, is great as well, but are a lot of the other big players in the space or even small players really understanding that inclusive design is really just the way things should be done or is this something unique to Microsoft? Well, we are seeing more and more organizations and our dream is to see all organizations on the planet, on the planet um, you know, addressing, doing business uh, with this mindset, to be, to be honest. Uh, it is positive to see many organizations moving, uh, but it's still... How can I use the word? I don't say concern, but take a word that uh, is like not 
um, be disappointed, but it's still just a lot of work for us to do. And, and, and it's not because it is, there are a lot of things we need to do to make it work. It's just a shifting mindset. And sometimes it's hard for people to unlearn to learn. If, if, we, if we help people understand that uh, maybe what you are designing, the product and solution you are designing is disabled. And the problem is not the person who is not going to be able to experience what you are creating. Just by simply helping people to think in this way can help them to be mindful of creating solutions that work for everyone, right? So organizations who are doing a better job are the ones who are embracing and seeing disability as a strength, in organizations that are hiring, welcoming, attracting talents with disabilities to help them on this journey. Remember one of the concepts of inclusive design, nothing about us without us or learn from diversity. Bring people inside the fabric. The best way for you to make it right is by having the right representations of the population you serve. And, and by the way, this, this is not just for persons with disabilities. This can also work for all different types of minorities, if you call minorities. Uh, if you want to do a better job, for example, with the community of LGBT, invite talents with LGBT and the group of LGBT to be part of your organization. Uh, invite people, First Nation, women, I can go with a long list. Uh, but not just inviting, sure that you have a safe environment where people can get a sense of belonging, right? So it doesn't, doesn't matter if you, it's, it, I love the knowledge they say, when, the diversity and inclusion perspective. Diverse, diversity is when you are welcome to the party. Inclusion, when you are invited to dance. So it, it, I, I really like this, this, this perspective because this is important. It's an exercise of embracing a culture and mindset understanding that we are all unique, we are different, and we all have perspectives and ways to contribute. We just, uh, from a leadership perspective, uh, or for the, for the creators, the ones like architect, engineer, software developers, uh, be mindful of how you connect abilities to the environment. When you make it happen, magic things happen. That was a great quote you had there on the being invited to dance. It's very, very graphic. Uh, you know, I once heard that uh, one of the fastest ways to change the world is to make the right people do the right things for the wrong reasons, you know. <laughs> and uh, if the big companies see that as a, as a business opportunity and, and start targeting uh, uh, that specific demographics, to make a profit i mean it's all the same to me right like i mean at the end people benefit from it so that i mean i hope that like microsoft keeps doing what they're doing and other companies like i mean see they're, they're uh, lagging behind and you know it start like doing more like to catch up i think that competition will be very healthy it will and and, and bruno i have a, a good example i don't know sean if you know the solution call it microsoft soundscape have you heard about Microsoft Soundscape? I've heard of it, but I, I'm not familiar with it. So maybe you can elaborate on that. Absolutely. Microsoft Soundscape was designed with and for people with low vision, sight loss, and blind. 
uh, it's a solution that gives you 3D audio clues uh, from the environment. And we create the solution to help people with sight loss to navigate uh, in unknown places, places that they are, they are not familiar. So enabling the person uh, with sight loss to um, experience the surround, right? So it uses um, the GPS system from the phone as well, open maps. And what it does while you are walking on the street, suppose that the church is 200 meters on your left. Then you receive an audio clue on your left saying church, I don't know the name, Sun Paul, 200 meters. Uh, if the Starbucks coffee is uh, on your right, it tells Starbucks coffee, 100 meters. So you get a sense of direction and distance, which is super important for people who are experiencing new environments. And when we designed the solution, of course, we invited people with sight loss blind to be part of the project. And they said, oh, this is amazing. But if you cover my ears with an airplug or a headset, uh, I'm going to lose my sense uh, commuting. Although I can use my can and my guide dog, um, that's not a good idea uh, <laughs> to cover my, my ears. So we ended up trying to find an alternative to give audio clues and information, but not covering uh, the ears. Then we work in partnership with Bose. And Bose uh, designed our glass, I've called it Bose Frame, which is a device that you wear as a sunglass, but you receive the audio uh, on, on the outside of your ears, not covering your ears. So you can just wear the glass. Uh, you have your ears open for the environment, but you can also experience the instructions of soundscape through the Bose frame. So this glass was designed for people with sight loss, but today you saw the Best Buy as a very cool device where people can um, wear and you know, participate in conference calls, listen to their favorite music, do whatever, <laughs> listen to this podcast as an example. Uh, it, it is like the example of designing a solution for a person with disability can, can and will end up benefiting everyone. So this mindset of um, innovation and accessibility benefits everyone. So if you don't have one, I advise. So just go to, uh, I don't know, your favorite store, Bose Frames. I think it costs $250. It's a bit expensive, I know but it's super cool. You can show off with everyone and install Soundscape app for free. If you have uh, an iPhone, you can install Soundscape and experience the environment, uh, especially if you have uh, sight loss or if you're blind. Uh, this solution is just incredible. I'm going to just jump in on that quickly because it's, it's it, the timing of this is really because I had a conversation um, on the weekend. So we're recording this on a Monday. I had a conversation a couple of days ago with uh, a good friend of mine who's a former guest in this podcast is Dr. Stephen McIntosh. He's an optometrist. And he was literally talking to me about these glasses. And he was saying that I should get them that he ha he doesn't have sight loss, but he thinks they're the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and, and he uses them himself. So he was literally telling me about this product. I hadn't heard of it before. And he's like, Oh, you should definitely check it out. You know, like, it's something that, uh, that I think you'd enjoy when you're you know, walking around because, you know, I like to go outside walking around, but I am visually and you know just sometimes listen to podcasts i listen to a lot of 
podcasts and audiobooks and and uh, music on occasion as well and he was saying hey this would be perfect for you so it's just funny timing that you're you're bringing that up like two days yeah. later it's it's uh so the two two comments that i want to make i i guess you are also hearing my kids at the background i guess like many people remote uh, school and kids at home is just changing the way so I hope the listen the, the the people listening to this podcast will not mind the noise behind the scenes. Uh, the the second thing I'd say is is it's it's super true. So and 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 I love when people start to experience and use uh, uh, technology, not with the the perspective of saying, "Oh, this is an assistive technology device." It's not. This is technology. So uh, when you break the barriers of calling something as an assistive tech and just uh, calling it as a tech knowledge that everyone can use and experience, uh, it, sorry to say this, but uh, glasses, right? Glasses, we were talking about Bose frame glass, but glasses, uh, when the, they were conceived and designed, they were all black and heavy. Then a designer said, why I can't make a glass? with a different color or in a different format or with different materials. So probably you and I, we know people who doesn't need to wear glasses that is wearing glasses just because this is a way for them to express themselves. It's fashion, right? Uh, this is the beauty. When you apply design to tech, to things, to products, to solution, you end up creating solutions that people really appreciate. So, Uh, for me, it's fascinating that uh, that today we look for a person wearing glasses without calling this person as a person with disabilities. Why? Why it doesn't happen with a person using a wheelchair? Why it doesn't happen with a person using a prosthetic leg? Why someone sees the the wheelchair first and not the person? Why a person sees first the prosthetic leg and not the person? So I think it's a process that we all need to go through to understand that uh, technology and tools are just here to help us to connect with the environment. And glasses for me is just a beautiful example. So no, that's, that's a, I like that example of talking about glasses and saying, why don't we see that as, you know, the same way we would see a wheelchair or vice versa, I should say. Um, maybe just one more question before we wrap it up. I, I could have this conversation for hours. Um, I, you know, I would love to definitely have a conversation with you again at some point in the future and, And maybe we could even uh, do it live, a follow-up interview in the future <laughs> after uh, COVID restrictions mm -hmm. have been lifted. Things seem to be going more smoothly. I'm um, just curious your thoughts on what's coming uh, in the years ahead for accessibility, uh, whether at Microsoft or elsewhere, or, or maybe even more generally what you would like to see in terms of um, continued accessibility and exclusive, inclusive design. It is a exciting future, I would say. We, we are now just experiencing what artificial intelligence can do. And we are now understanding that there are many more things we need to do better to make artificial intelligence work. So one of the promising fields I see is the evolution of, um, let's say evolution of AI, but more from an ethical point of view and how people are now mindful of designing AI solutions that are tools, not weapons. What I mean by that is uh, some people calling responsible AI uh, combined with responsible capitalism. Uh, bias, as we said before, 
when someone writes a code. Uh, code is a personal opinion, right? Translated in code. And if you don't bring the right data representation to run models, you can create models with bias and you apply machine learning on top, you can create solutions that will learn how to exclude people at scale, right? So there are, of course, some with everything, right, that uh, we see in the future is uh, risk, uh, potential, but this field, I think it's going to evolve. And, and I believe that more and more, we will be able to collect relevant data to support um, models that can perform amazing and innovative uh, activities, empowering everyone, especially persons with disabilities. So this is, this is one. Second is, is this perspective of, um, of people with a clear notion that if you humanize the conversation, if you understand humans and use technology and tools to connect humans to the environment, you, you are ended up creating many possibilities. I think it's, it's, it's this mind shift or mindset shift of uh, seeing technology as a tool, as a way, not as the final destination. The final destination is the human being and the positive impact we, we, we can create. So the, the future, I, I am really hoping and seeing a future that we or more more organizations will be able to perform initiatives that will drive business outcome for sure because it helps us to bring prosperity for many more people but with the mindset of social impact this intersection of uh, doing doing business but doing good at the same time and and i i dream that uh, in the near future we will need to we will not need to debate uh, the importance of diversity and inclusion uh, in the workplace, as an example, this is going to be given, and people will understand that by reflecting the population they serve, and having this population inside the fabric, this is the best way for them to achieve a higher outcome and a higher impact. So that's what we are envisioning. That's great, man. It's so it's so refreshing, like to see a company the size of Microsoft being so concerned, like I mean, with the, this demographic that had been excluded for so long. I think not only I mean, Microsoft has the, the the ability to make an impact, but also uh, to drive change. Like I mean, from other companies as well. Like, thank you for for your time and, of course, for everything you do. Well, thank you, thank you, Bruno. And Ricardo, yes, I'm gonna thank you as well, and and I definitely am gonna circle back to you uh, um, in the months ahead. Uh, we would love to have you back on to uh, to share some more stories and 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 whatnot. But I think we've taken enough of your time today, so. Thanks again for, for taking part. I think the audience is really, really going to enjoy um, this episode. Hopefully they enjoy it as much as, as we did today. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Sean. And if someone or anyone listening to this podcast wants to learn more, just please visit Microsoft slash accessibility to learn more about everything we're doing to empower persons with disabilities across the globe. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you, Ricardo.